said what I said. Hey, girls and gays. Hey, girls and gays. Welcome back to another episode of I Said What I Said. <laughs> <laughs> Nini said it for us. But can I redo that intro? Yeah, oh absolutely. My God. Oh, what, oh, the can? song? Yeah. Yes, but I won't cut it. So okay, people so will know that then you're Then you're going to eat the bad version. Eat it. Wait till next week for a good one. This is a podcast where we close the gap between where we are and where we want to be. And who we are and who we want to be. I am your host, Mukundwa. And I am your co-host with the most, Nyakwezi. Last week we had an episode about Kobe and sexual assault. And we got a lot of really interesting feedback about how people experienced that episode. So I just want to add a point that I think I didn't make very clear. So trigger warning, it is about sexual assault. It's a five minute insert. So if you want to skip it, go to the six and a half minute mark where the episode starts about basically how I managed um, to how I'm managing to heal from my sexual assault and how and yeah, just my method. So when I said that complicating and humanizing abusers helps helped me remove myself from my anger towards them. The point of that exercise is not to be virtuous, is not to be a good person, is not to be a good victim. It's actually to heal yourself only. I found that it's really difficult to heal if you see abusers as one dimensional and as separate from you. That's a really difficult that kind of pill to chew on. And it took me, a, it, it came when it came, but that's helped me because I don't ever want to live in relation to my abuse. I don't consider myself a survivor, a rape survivor, um, thriving despite what happened to me. It's actually none of my business. How I see that now is as somebody who's been raped and as somebody who experienced a rapist, if there's anybody who's supposed to grapple with their identity after rape, it's somebody who raped someone else, right? It is the rapist business to grapple with. What does that make me? Does that make me good or bad? Who am I after this? How can I reconcile my identities? Is there space for me in society? It is not me as somebody who was just in the way of violence to now have to go through a lifetime of undoing this trauma and like reconsidering and reconceptualizing how I see myself. None of my business. I decided I wanted to live a very full life. I wanted to be back on my bullshit. I wasn't going to have my future deterred by a traumatic event. So I decided the easiest and fast, I'm all about the quickest, easiest, fastest way to move on and to still be back on my bullshit and to experience pleasure. The quickest way was to not think of people as angels and demons, was to think of everybody being capable of violence and that it has nothing to do with me and to consider my accountability to myself about how I, A, interact with violent people when I can see it coming, B, interact in the situation and C, interact, interact with it afterwards. My accountability to myself was to heal and how that healing came about was considering how I conceptualize the person who raped me. That's how that helps me. I'm a very practical bitch. Um, and I refuse to kind of like honor and like tiptoe around discussions around abuse, because that's how we actually honor them and make them bigger. That's how we further separate and silence victims by, um, making it a story around them. Your rape is not a story about you. It's a story about a rapist. What happened? That's something that happened to you. It's not what you are. I don't believe I'm a rape victim. I was raped. The person who raped me, that's their business. I've dealt with that. That's how I see that. So I don't think everybody should or can or will have the same mentality, but that's just to give some context about why I did what I did is because 
Um, I just refuse to live a stunted life. I see the the narrative around people who are raped and it's it's just not my portion. So that is how I've dealt with it very practically. And I also understand that they're not spaces for people to talk very practically about their abuse. It's always shrouded in um, pity and and um, a gentleness that doesn't help you just get over it. It doesn't help you just move forward because you're always being treated as if you should be broken. And that's not what I am. And I think for me, like looking for resources just to see how did other people handle being assaulted they were all examples I just wasn't a fan of of these often women living just such small lives now and like timid lives where they're just shadows of themselves and I knew that that's not my story I have no interest in that I had no interest in being having my life and how I experienced myself in the world framed by a violent incident that had nothing to do with me. That's doesn't make any sense. So I didn't find any resources that talk about assault the way I do, or just like really practically for me, what I consider very practical. And so I I would like to see more of that. I would like to see more people being like, yeah, these things happen to me, but they're not me. And I'm not going to, talk about it with reverence and like delicacy it's not my business like it happened to me and I want to be back on my bullshit so these are the ways I cope these are the ways I handled it and that's that on that so all of that to say that is why I have the method I have is because I'm a very practical person I want to have fun in my life I am not gonna let some absolute moron who decided to be violent towards me affect my entire life it just makes no sense and unfortunately the only way to get through that for me was to not have a character and a persona around resentment because that tethers me. The more I want to, like, the more I have, like, anger and the more I see this person's one-dimensional, which helps fuel my anger, unfortunately, the more I'm tethered to them. So that's just to give a bit more context. Um, I think I didn't really connect all those dots. I kind of left them out maybe in the last episode, but it's just to give some clarity. Hope it's helpful. We're going to start the episode right now. I think we spent a lot of 2019, or I did, encouraging confrontation. Mm. And I think the girls and gays are getting there. Like, I think we're getting Mm. comfortable knowing that we need to speak up and that avoiding issues isn't being kind to ourselves and other people. Mm. But now I've been thinking about the intelligence that comes with how we navigate confrontation. So now that we are facilitating confrontation, is there an intelligence that we might be missing about when should we have confrontation? Where is there a self-awareness and knowing when to pick your battles and how, or should every battle be picked? Should we, if there are 10 things that are on our chests, should we air 10 things? Or is it like a, is there a self-awareness and a maturity to manage that and be like, you know what? Some let's let sleeping dogs lie. So I'm quite curious about that because as I've leaned into confrontation, I'm having much more of it, especially with Unyak. Mm. And I'm wondering if like sometimes the hurt and exhaustion and the picking at old wounds all the time is really worth it. Mm. And how much when we get into romantic relationships, because I always think our relationship was a great training ground for romance, but I think I don't know if anyone could tolerate just having that much um constant like 
critical conversation. I think that might be overwhelming. And I think Mm. people, sometimes people don't have it, not because they're avoidant, but because they have like a maturity to look at the bigger picture and to like weigh up if the fallout from a constructive conversation is worth the result of that constructive conversation. Right. So a lot there. So I want to discuss. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm actually really looking forward to this conversation. But should we begin by talking about what difficult conversations you want to have with yourself this year? Yes. So a conversation I need to have with myself this year is about my relationship to money. I'm the kind of person who swipes and doesn't look at their balance. I think looking at balances is unreasonable, unfair. I think it's violence that I should have to know what my balance is. Um, And I think, unfortunately, that doesn't align with the kind of lifestyle I want to live. I think eventually I want to have the kind of account where I don't have to check in when I buy something. But in order to build up to that, you do have to at the beginning. So I think having a conversation about being honest about my money habits um, is a hard one. And I really it's, it's, it's not fun. Yeah. So that's like a hard convo I need to have with myself. Um, I think I also have to have hard convos with my loved ones. So I'm kind of trying to figure out if it's worth communicating that I've outgrown people. I don't know. I, I can't figure out if that's a kind thing to do or like more hurtful than anything. Right. Those are birds. I know. Do you guys have crazy. birds in New York? <laughs> of course they do. I they, always ask. Don't they have the big pigeons that shit on you as you walk down the street? Those are rodents. The rats from the upper floor shit on you as you walk down the street. Darling, a pigeon that's as big as a four-year-old. Oh, right, right, right. It's is a different pest. It's a terrorist. It's, all right. It's a pterodactyl. <laughs> it's a pterodactyl, okay. darling. Let's move on. Um, so that conversation. And then even with family, I think I might have outgrown some family. And that's a really odd position to be in. Mm. Um, and I don't know if that should be communicated or even acted upon. So that's... Oh, gosh, I'm really battling with that one. Like, should you tell family you've outgrown them? And... And that can be really hurtful for like elder family, like family that um, have nurturing positions in your life, like caregivers. How do you tell your aunt, uncle, your mom, your dad, all those people in your life that, you know what, this is not working. Like we're not, yeah. as much as you feel we're friends, we're not really. Yeah. And I'd like some distance. I'm okay just with a phone call. I yeah. don't actually need to meet you. Yeah, that's a very good question. And that's something that's really been on my mind in the last couple of weeks. So just to dive right into the personal material. Um, so a couple of weeks, um, my dad had a very direct conversation with me about my weight and it wasn't anything, it wasn't anything rude or mean or anything, but for some reason it just hit me so hard and it was so painful and it was very, very hard for me. And I, it, you know, then I went through this whole big, um, discovery journey within myself, um, wondering and trying to figure out why that well, number one why that was so hurtful but then number two if that was even his place in my life anymore and what I actually needed from from him and so you know it's answering that question that you just asked now Mukundra and so I think that you know when my the the, the time for needing that like very prescriptive direction from my parents mm. has come to an end and I think it was maybe a bit of a morning of that like that they're it's no longer daddy, you know, it's, he's my father now. Mm. And it's, it's more, that relationship needs to shift. And I have also been thinking about um, how to speak to him about that and what is necessary to talk to him about that. So, I mean, in this, where my thinking is at the moment, I can, it's still fluid, but is that 
I need to direct what I want from our relationship. And um, I don't need to let him know um, that that dynamic has changed, but rather to direct it to where I want it to be. And I think it'll be for both of us a more seamless transition because then I, I know that I, he doesn't have to grapple with being the baddie, for example, or losing the, the realization of losing something. But so if it can just be a change in the way we um, interact with each other, then I get what I want and he might not even realize that our dynamic um, went through like a negative um, place. Like it's just a bit different, which is for, which is easier for me. So I do it for me because I don't want to deal with then a hurt father mm. at the end of the day. So, so that's definitely a hard, that's a hard conversation that I'm having with myself at the moment. And I'm thinking about the kind of conversation that I need to have with him because of that hard conversation with myself. Yeah. Interesting. I've been thinking about that a lot. Like while there's a lot I disagree with about how caregivers parent, um, I also kind of wouldn't do it any other way in terms of subject matter delivery. Yes. Yeah. So if I felt my child was heading in the wrong direction, I would deem it like my responsibility to try communicate as much as possible. Yeah. So how do you, how are you um, reconciling that where you're like a good parent, as much as I don't think your concern is warranted, good parenting is to voice concern because yeah. who else would, but you, Yeah. but I still don't need that kind of support. Yeah, that's right. So it's for me to, so I need to think about it for myself and to think about all the different um, like scenarios so that I, to think about if I want to communicate that with him. And if I do, I can, but he might still very well come back and be like, yeah, but you're very clearly, you know, 30 kgs overweight. Um, and then it's for me to shut that down in a way that, that is best for me. Um, and then also failing that I do need to think about then what happens then, then how do I draw the hard lines in our relationship? Um, so that I can keep protecting myself. Um, yeah, so it's really just taking it as it comes, uh, but willing to, I think the hard conversation starts with myself and mm. then it can radiate out from there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. there's this concept, uh, there's a movie by the same name. It's called Failure to Launch and yeah. it's a syndrome. Uh, failure to Launch syndrome is not a true diagnosis, but rather it's a common way to describe a young adult who is struggling with the transition into adulthood. Mm. It can be defined as an inability to leave home and support oneself regardless of under of the underlying cause. Right. Um, I don't understand the regardless of underlying cause part, but I think a lot of, I wonder if like a lot of us, a lot of young people are struggling with that transition. Yeah. And I wonder if a lot of us feel like we weren't brown kids, especially we weren't able to mistakes when you're black or brown as a second generation immigrant so your parents are first are costly mm. like you make a mistake you're shot in the face or you go to jail or you're excluded from school or it, it completely creates a fork in the road for your yeah. history and so we're often so micromanaged and we aren't allowed or given the room to make mistakes and so this failure to launch thing happens mm. so i'm just i was just thinking about that i don't know if it whether it applies to you but i wonder if sometimes the over concern and, and over care from our parents which actually comes from their own internalized trauma doesn't help us as much as just hurts us and ironically gives us it pushes us further into what they were trying to avoid to begin with correct the correct. fear of your kids being fat often just leads to them being fat or anorexic <laughs> like they just <laughs> that's it yeah so 
I don't, yeah. Sure. Yeah, that is very interesting. And I think that, and like you said, I don't think I'd have it any other way or being a parent, I don't know that I'd know how to do it any other way. So, which, which is a relief for me because knowing that like every parent at some stage is perceived as a bad parent to their kids and that I too will be perceived as a bad parent um, kind of relieves me because that means that within my own relationship or my myself now as a child, you know, is the only relationship I have in that dynamic. Um, it's my response. It, now the responsibility falls to me. So like I actually do have the power over my own life to uh, to push back, to correct, to change the direction in terms of um, what the fallout from parenting, basically. Mm. So, so that is actually quite comforting, knowing that we're all we're all terrible parents, mm. um, and yeah, and that's unavoidable. I think the difference is the ability to be able to listen and believe people, and listen and believe your children is really hard but probably re and painful but really necessary yeah so i was thinking tying that back into are all hard conversations necessary how many times can you have the same hard conversation absolutely so for me it's like with caregivers with friends if i've told you in in so many indirect ways and then direct ways and then you can also um kind of exercise your emotional intelligence and yeah. look at my behavior but it's still not clicking then I don't know how necessary having a hard conversation is or how much I want to parent my parent through the trauma of losing me because I've told you across decades about a thing right. and you've not, you know, chosen to integrate that or been able to integrate that um, information. Yeah. And I think the gap between us and our kids is going to be much smaller because we've had the internet. But the gap between, like, parents who were nomads or who literally grew up in a time where whose whose parents saw the first colonizers arrive on ship like yeah. we have there which is are, such which are literally our grandparents saw the first colonizers arrive yeah literally great grand no, no, our great grandparents great grandparents yeah. yeah so it's just like i think i wonder how much and that's another question i want to ask is do we need to accept a certain amount of dissonance disagreement and disconnect in all our relationships because like even with with our parents I think that might be where a lot of the pain comes from. Mm. Like I'm trying to learn how to accept with my parents age group. So my aunts, uncles, family, that there will be a dissonance and it's okay. And mm. it's more painful to try bridge that mm -hmm. for them. And for me, like we're both looking at each other mm. like we're mad um, because it's so hard to bridge. So why bother kind of, mm. but then I also think of me and you where we are in the same, we were totally raised in the same kind of social setting, mm. but there still is, a difference because we're different people and do I should I try to conflict manage that so that we come to an agreement or do I just accept that my friends my sister my siblings are just we're just not going to click 100% of the time in 100% of ways mm. which for me is like oddly hard yeah it is very hard but it I think it's only hard because ego is for me ego is involved because mm. when I clash with you um you know on 10 things it feels like it's a personal slight. Um, how can you not see things the way I am? I'm just, I'm made uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, I then I, and I also have to let go of my ideas of what is right and wrong because here's someone else who is equally, if not more intelligent, who also believes something completely different is right or wrong. So um, I think for me, it just, it's really a, 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 um, a case of picking 
picking your battles, like what, what is important um, in that relationship. So, so let, let's take our aunts and uncles or that generation, for example, Yeah, like the relationship has definitely shifted, but for me to now sit them down and to let them know the relationship has shifted, I think is, it just won't fly because they don't have those kind of conversations. They just, you know, they, they drift from a dysfunctional relationship to functional relationship to things are so many things are unsaid and like some, and that's how, um, societally they're brought up that you mm. don't you don't speak about everything and if you are it is immediately combative whereas in our generation we do we do address things a lot more and talk about the dynamics of relationships and and the nuances and how you know and all of those things are things that they're not used to so it's for me it's a case of almost parenting that relationship like directing it without without their necessary like their conscious involvement um okay yes but bearing in mind both our limitations but knowing that i can see limitations that they might not they they might not do but then also having the humility to um to accept that it's also the other way around like they'll see limitations my limitations that i don't and just because i'm a millennial um i tend to or the next generation actually every next generation feels that they know more than the generation before them and Mm -hmm. are resentful in some way and just that's not just cliche like i really do think that that's real like a bit conceited what <laughs> hey, vocab is ending. Yeah, conceited. Let me get I'm up making the... such an effort to use real words this time. Maybe we roasted me. I think you meant more conceited. I really didn't because I don't Con- really understand the definition of conceited. conceited. Okay, is excessively proud of oneself or vain. I just think like yeah, like we really think we just think we'd be knowing more. Yeah, and I also think yeah. And then, but it's the same. So every generation thinks that they're the best. So the one they always think the ones that came before them know nothing, and the ones that come after them think they know everything, but they still know nothing. Yeah, like a little conceited. (laughs) Um. So you need to make a podcast for the people, man. (laughs) Throw in your damn words. I'm so dead. (laughs) Three vowels. Um. I want to touch on something you said about how you how you rationalize someone else's realities acknowledging that they're as intelligent as I am so therefore they're not trying to play games and not making it up they must believe their truth as much as I believe mine so what do you do that's actually so messed up when you repeat it back to me in terms of the intelligence like so what if they're not as intelligent like they're just that they're another another person oh no but you didn't mean it like that you didn't mean yeah you didn't mean education intelligent you meant that like they're a complex being yeah. just like I am. That's why I am in their company. So yes. why wouldn't I trust them to tell me the truth? Yes. Their truth. And that's, I want to ask you about that is when you have friends and family who don't believe you're as intelligent as them. <laughs> and so don't believe you have the cognitive range to really mean what you say. Triggered. And so when you tell a family member, I know I have gained weight and I know how to lose weight. That's not the issue, but please leave me to it to deal with it. And they're like, "Mm, no, I'm just going to actually police what you eat and remind you every time. Or your friends, you tell them, listen, how you treat me is offensive or I'd actually like out of this relationship. And they say, "Mm, no, Mm. actually, it's really good. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, How do you navigate that? Because I think I feel like I might have a friend who doesn't believe me every time I try to break up with them. like they don't believe me when i'm like this isn't a fun friendship they're like can't be yeah yeah yeah. no way yeah and i'm like yes way so how have you have you had that experience before like with a friend not believing you i have i have had that experience um 
in my yeah in my latest like friendship breakup mm. there was a bit of that where I broke up and then was told no you actually you can't break up with me and then I responded and quite literally said that uh yeah well yeah so I th- I texted them and they wrote back and said no you can't I said that I don't want to meet up with you and actually I just want some space and they said no you can't break up with me over text um oh we're gonna gosh. let's meet up and have coffee and I said wait that. I literally said that I don't want to see you for various reasons and that we you know I need to take a break and you've come back and said no I will see you and we will talk about this so and and but when I said that to them I think they were able to see that quite quickly and they they um respected my request but yes, okay. so I think, um, yeah, what do you do? I think that's when you start putting your foot down and it's, that's when you make hard decisions for yourself. Like, um, you know, do I, if this person wants to be in my space in a way that is harmful to me, guess what? I don't have to allow them into my space. And that might be a difficult thing. It might get ugly or it might be uncomfortable for me and for them and not, and especially for me, Nyakwezi, to communicate, I don't want you in my space directly is very uncomfortable. Yeah. It's not nice hurting or feeling, perceive, feeling that you've hurt someone else mm. and being the bad guy. Um, but you know, it, it's a, it, it's a call I feel that you have to make. And, and I would ask you, Mukundu, like if you've tried to break up with them, several times and they've come back and said no like have you really tried like have you actually then Mm. tried to break up with them have you been honest have you been as open as you can be or have you been have you hoped that they um infer from your yeah big words that they (laughs) darling don't do yourself like she's sorry she's an engineer she's an architect (laughs) definitely has like iq there guys (laughs) yeah no i'm very smart eh but all you read is aragon literally ask me anything about dragons magic elves i'm there um yeah so if if you relied on them to assume from your words and that you want further breakup to infer the breakup (laughs) then i really think it's it's on you to use harder light to actually just take a stand to actually take a stand say what you want and be okay with being the bad guy there's some interesting i was thinking about that and i was like what Nyak saying makes sense. If I've tried, if I say I've tried to break up, but they refused, did I really break up with them? Yeah. But then I think there's this, um, I was watching a Steve Harvey video, it was repulsive on Instagram. This woman stands up in the crowd and says, hi, Steve, I'm divorced and my ex-husband doesn't get the message. He passes messages through my kids. He sends me flowers. He asks them, what do you think your mum will like? What presents? They tell him, mum doesn't want you back. He insists. He shows up in my house unannounced. He tries wow. to, so... I was thinking about that, about, I don't, if we say no directly or indirectly, there's some people who see that as a try harder or that, or don't compute that you can have agency and that, that a no can be a thing. Mm. And so I don't know that it's that simple in, in, in the broader context. I see. Yes. In my context though, there are benefits that come with this friendship. So I'm sooner to have a begrudging friendship because I actually get perks so I'm like a little irritable but they're perks and I'm like well if I've tried to break up with you and you know I resent you but you want me around then let me also be around and just get the perks so it actually still works for us does it yeah I get perks I'm not even joking but then when you have to do the work of being around them isn't that painful yes it just depends on what I need so like it's toxic but we're both benefiting clearly but then is it then is it still toxic? Like if you if you're getting what you want mm. and the dynamic is actually what you want that and you don't have to perform um the pleasantness and that you're having a good time, then is it is it toxic? Well, I just think it's wild. Like how can you insist on being a friend with somebody who clearly doesn't like you? And then how can you insist on being a friend with someone you don't like just for the perks? 
that's mad that's just it it's it's a symbiotic relationship it's like a sea urchin latching itself onto a whale like it's just i see okay yeah certainly symbiotic whether it's healthy god knows god that's so uncomfortable imagine if a sea urchin latched onto you fuck me i actually think the suction's probably comforting well no all the spikes oh and oh to say urchin okay what did you mean a slug i meant a clam so and next this, and this, this is our life this is why we also fight because she'll say something like did you park the boat and i'm like, okay okay <laughs> but well, you first of all we you, don't have a boat if i said did you did you park the boat at the port you should know what i mean did you park the car in the garage <laughs> just use content like intelligence situational intelligence <laughs> I also think it's interesting that your friend brought up um, the format of breakup. Yes, yeah. I I mean, look, we all hear this a lot. Like, he broke up with me on text. Can you believe it? He broke up with me when I was on holiday. Can you <laughs> believe I tell it? You. He called me all the way to this vineyard to break up with me. Can you believe it? He brought me to his house and cooked me dinner. Then... So it's like, I don't know that there's a right time and place to have no. difficult conversations. No. Um, also, I could have used, I could have broken up via pigeon message if I wanted to. Like, really... You should have to go out, jump and catch the thing like a baseball. <laughs> yeah via scroll yeah yeah but you're right no there is no right way or pleasant way to be broken up with or to have a difficult conversation i think Um, they can be considered ways like situationally so if i remember um there was a friend you had who you kind of needed to have a hard convo with but they're like they were they one of their family members had just passed away so you kind of said let me stagger that yeah just like park that convo yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, i felt like such a cow yeah so i think it can be yeah situational that's true i want to read out some of what other people said were the conversations they need to have with others this year yeah some of them were fascinating i like screamed honestly the i said what i said crowd is so funny and so wonderful this one says i need to have a hard conversation with my dad about how he's going to love me when i'm financially independent in a few months oh shit that's so hectic wow that's a hard transition because like with black parents when you don't need their money or their food yeah that's overwhelming for them because that was like you you there was a point where you have to stop arguing with black parents like there's a little a little like increase in what yeah. is it the call decibel from them yeah you stop there but it's yeah. like when i don't need your food or your roof yeah when i can drive home at 1 a.m yeah 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 things it's interesting the dynamic they're very it's frustrating yeah. because that's how they were parented that you don't doesn't matter we're not discussing on the lines of logic or even emotional experience we're discussing on the lines of um who's super who's um not superior what's the word leverage mm. social leverage and it's the parent mm. and so when you don't have that when you can argue past that point they lose it hey yeah they collapse they actually do it's it's and and you know and i've been so complacent in that like i think i've really coddled my parents um you know past that point of gaining independence and it's coming back to bite me you know i find that i can't it's hard it's hard to have an honest conversation, an honest, uncomfortable conversation, not even a hard conversation, just an honest, uncomfortable one, because I've cuddled them so much and, you know, made sure that they're okay and that they feel respected. Um, even if my truth is being overlooked mm. to, to this person though, I mean, I would just ask the questions that I would ask would be, does it need to be a, a direct conversation? Can you start setting boundaries and, um, just co- and communicating those boundaries? <sighs> Man, the work we, we we dance around parents. Well, I'm just thinking for yourself. Like, do do you want to blow up? So it's not. 
I'm thinking for you. So if you're anything like me, like I don't want to blow up. So it's easier for me to communicate boundaries and have things on my terms. Just, you know, pushing things out or shifting things around rather, mm. um, seeing them on my terms and so on and so forth. Mm. And then letting the parent um, deal with... Like acclimate as well. Yeah, to acclimate and deal with how they love me and discover that themselves. Because sometimes it's, I think it might be easier for both of you to to feel through it rather than think through it. Um, especially for maybe especially for a parent. So I know it sounds like I'm protecting the parent. Maybe I am, but I'm actually also thinking of uh, just like a blowout. Then you have to deal with the blowout. Yeah, like, yeah. Whereas you can, you know, do things in a more in a less direct way, but that is still that still gets you the outcome you want. What you want is boundaries. So set boundaries. Gosh, yeah, it's just exhaust. I mean, just as you're speaking, I understand what you're saying. I just can't believe kids are the one, like, we're the ones to now coddle our parents through, like, so I was listening to um, Overshare with Flex. Yes. And she was saying that her, she's decided to stop um, role-playing herself. Yeah. So she's being herself with her mom, and her mom is shaking. <laughs> and that, tra- and I think she, and, like, I don't know how much of a transitionary period there was. I think yeah. like Flex just decided. And so yeah, there is yeah, that yeah. dissonance where mom's like, well, where's this coming from? Like, yeah. what's happening? This is, this is so unlike you. And Flex is like, no, this is always me. I was just pretending all those years. Yeah. And like having to manage that dissonance mm-hmm. for your parents. I just want, what do they think's going on? Do they really believe that we are like sexless, opinionless people? Like, what do they think? Yeah. If they look around the the world around them, they see what's happening and they look at us and they're like, well, we're not like that. Why would they think that? I, I don't understand parents' relationship to their kids. It's so bizarre. And like, you guys are messy. Why wouldn't you think I'd be? Mm. You guys are complex. Hella you guys messy. don't manage Hella your money complex. or your weight or your health or, or your, your relationships. relationships any that well. Why would you think I would? Yeah. Like, I'm just a human too. And you know what? But I, funny, when you started speaking, I just thought... Um, Because you were saying that you think it's wild that kids have to be the ones. And the first thought I had was that, like, parents are people. We are people. Like, we're all just people Mm. trying to do this thing. And it's complex and nobody knows how to do it. And we're all messing up as we go along and winning and losing every day. Um, Yeah. But the difference is black parents set this precedent of they call it respect. But what it is, is managing just how is adding barriers to the honesty and truthfulness of a kid's experience. Like we, people always tease like laugh at white kids and how they talk to their moms. They're like, mom, fuck off. You're such a whore. And they run (laughs) up to their rooms. But it's like, there's something to be said for perhaps how we also teach our kids how to like treat each other. Like I'm not saying that's how we do it. But if you, if you put a lid on your child and you create that precedent. And then at 26, you expect them to be honest with you. Mm. Two things are going to happen. Either they won't, or you're going to be so shaken by what comes out of that kid's mouth. Yeah. And it's like, as black parents, this thing of respect is ruining is ruining us. I think, mm. like, this thing of, like, respect not being earned, but just being given. Because, yeah. like, I'm bigger than you. Yeah. Like, I've just had more years on me. I've, uh, you know, I have longer legs. Yeah. I don't know. I think that needs, that's a whole other episode. Medusa. Someone said they want to have a hard conversation with their friend about how random boys won't fill the void their dad left. Oh, oh, oh. Well, do it. And so this. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay, I guess I really need to. I need to unpack that with this person. Why? How can a random boy um, fill the void that a dad? Like they're they're two different. Oh, okay. So this friend. 
um let's call her jessica and lisa so jessica has a friend called i think that's world war four that's the what first that's the first bomb <laughs> guys it's been really mind you in essays aligned with america so we were getting drafted yeah. asap darling we have our, our ids Mm-mm. yes Uniforms in the mail. If your hips don't fit, your hips don't fit. <laughs> I'll be at my sewing machine. Oh, yeah. I'll be the tailor for the army. I'm good. I'll be the cook. Actually, you will be. Someone told me. Oh, this is a bit rude. No, you, let me yeah. not say it. Okay. I have to say it. Do you it. want to say it and I cut have it out to. if you need to? No, no, no. I have to, I'll just. So I heard a story about like this person was telling me. Kundra. No, I feel like this is on live television. Are you sure you want to do this? Just like people talking about how traumatizing the army was, but like this person was a, a chef. And I was like, I'm not even trying to be rude. Weren't you like, like seasoning the beans and the carrying the meat, like soaking the rice. Like, I'm not even trying to be rude. Like literally. But like you were the. No, but, but you're doing this in Iraq in the middle of the, you know, Okay. come on. You you, also, your, your kitchen can get bombed. How would you feel if your, your man comes back after a tour in Iraq? (laughs) No, he gets discharged. So he was there for two months. And he was literally in charge of cutlery shining. But he's like, oh, he starts to throwing, throwing fits, breaking things in the house. I've got PTSD. Like, do you, how do you feel about that? Do you buy it? Uh, yeah, literally the fact that bombs are going off all around you yeah. and that they could, you know, they'll miss the battlefield. I don't even know how wars happen these days. Wait, do they fight on in a specific zone? It's, they don't know that those are back in, that's like last last samurai where they like run all into the valley no they don't do that now now they go and bomb hospitals they bomb your lieutenants they enter so, into your village rape so you kill you when the when the americans land mm-hmm. in iraq mm. then where do they set up camp oh they just i don't and, know and high, why, high, high why ground don't the iraqis bomb them iraqis <laughs> No, it's a whole. I don't know. I think we we don't have the. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't think we have Men the range. Men in power are so stupid. dumb. <laughs> Just fist yes. fight. Honestly, Bush needs to go. Bush. Anyway, you know what I mean. Your girl, you're literally back in 2000. Because I, I really don't care. It's all such bullshit. I don't see why I need to engage because they're gonna do what they do whether I engage. Just or not. know you're getting and drafted, my darling. It's just gonna stress me for what? And they won't give you Doc Martens. And you know now you know the kind of shoes they'll give you. <laughs> hey. No They'll still give me caps. secondhand ones. The ones that the chef wore because it's not worn out. They'll be by, what's that? T- is it Roxy's? What's that terrible shoe shop? All right. But yeah, so this que- this idea of talking to your friend that boys won't fill the gap. Oh, I was trying to give an example. Please help me with a cushion. Oh, sure, darling. Thank you. Are you uncomfortable? Yeah. Yeah, so it's just a, like conscious or an unconscious coping mechanism. Um, They clearly have a uh, a toxic pattern with like the men they date or see or have sex uh. with, and so it's very obviously trying to fill a gap of like a paternalistic, like trying to have a healthy relationship with a man because they didn't have a healthy relationship. No, with no, 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 like filling the void. So man after man after man, in and out, in and out, in and out, because they have this void they haven't addressed that they needed like a a I don't know a manly figure around, and that was a void, and so they're like making up through this toxic behavior. Gotcha. So I, my question about this is, hmm, okay, the friend either knows or doesn't know, but I also feel like everything in its time, like, we all have these huge cyclical traumas that our lives play out, and I don't know if I've ever addressed toxic behavior because someone told me I had it. It's always come to, like, I realize when I realize, and perhaps that is an accumulation of people telling me, but I just think it's not. I think the penny drops and it drops, and I wonder if, I think they're, yeah, obviously they're kind ways to discuss this with your friend, but I wonder if this will do more damage to your relationship and 
I wonder about your intention. Maybe think about that. Like, are you, do you want to tell her because you're irritable? Because if that's the case, I would be mindful. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I don't know. I think about, I don't know if I believe in like pointing out people's toxic life states anymore. Hey, really? I, I don't I, know. I think that's the point of a friendship or that's the role of a friend. Like if you're, you've, you're there to have their back and to see the things that, um, the general public won't tell them or to, they're too polite to say to, to have their blind spots. So for mm. me, I would say like, absolutely have the conversation with them. I think also know and be very honest with yourself. Like, can, will you still, can you still hang around while they continue to have toxic relationships with men and be honest with yourself. So I, so that you're not then resentful or irritated with them when they then go into another unhealthy relationship, know that if you don't want to be there for it, you get out. But you can communicate that this is what you think is happening, then I think for me, you've done your duty as a friend. Um, I would be much more hurt if I found out years down the line that I was, you know, having all these toxic relationships because I wasn't dealing with my, you know, the issues that I had. And um, you just let, you just let me do it. You just watched me run mad. I would be Mm. much more hurt. When I dated a guy that my best friend at the time thought I probably shouldn't have dated. And then when we broke up and she said, oh, I didn't really think he was right for you. Mm. That was the end of our relationship in my heart. Mm. Because it was such a damaging um, relationship for me, the the romantic one, that the fact that she saw that and didn't say anything just so that I could be happily in love. I said, no, they're supposed to have my back. Um, Even if it's difficult or uncomfortable, they're supposed to have my back. And, you know, yeah. I would appreciate being communicated too, mm. and I would communicate that. I guess at the risk of it going both ways. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. what are you willing to do? That's always... We should call the podcast that. What are you willing to what do? What are you willing to do? This is a hectic one. Okay. I think the reason why... So, the example of the weight for you is circumstantial. Mm. It's because of a specific circumstances. Yeah. Life states for me are bigger cyclical things we all go through that are like literally... The span of a lifetime. So only by the end of our lives, we realize I should have done differently. Or in like 20 year bouts, it's huge patterns that are hard to identify. And when we do, it's hard to break. And I have a feeling that's to do with our karma that we've come down to like resolve. So an example is like, so I know someone who um they've felt they've been timid their whole lives. And this is literally from when they were a kid and now they're 60 and they're still dealing with it. That's a, that is a, a theme in their life that they're here to resolve or I don't know explore more right so I also manage how much I need to get involved like sometimes when people haven't can't see oh, their bigger cycle you cannot you you telling it to them it's going to be lost on them mm-hmm. because it is so huge and so overarching and it's literally like part of your karma that it'll it'll come to you I see and not necessarily by way of me just saying hey man like you have a really toxic relationship with the ex I don't know. So I just, I'm mindful of the bigger cycle. The smaller ones I can address, but the bigger ones, you'll keep doing it. Like we all do. We all have these patterns until we die. Yeah. Certain ones, very few, but certain ones. But what about um, communicating it once? Like, so that it's a, it um, like almost not plants the seed, but just puts on a little light for the person to start seeing. Um, but recognizing that like, that, you know, this is, this is your cycle but that I'm not trying to change it all in one conversation. But um, I think there's something to be said for for still being able to 
raise that, mm. you know, with the, but not expecting the cycle to be fixed. I, I actually, okay, that's that's what I agree with. Yeah. So definitely raising and assisting and being like supportive on that journey where yeah. they want you to be, yeah. but not expecting results. Yeah. That's the hard part because there is expect results like not in this lifetime, boo, or yeah. not the ones you expect to see. Correct. It's a life state you're like living out. Yeah. This person says, I'd really like to talk to my dad about how he takes advantage of my mother financially. Oh. That has ruined me. Oh. Is the conversation to be had with dad or with mum? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's the question. <laughs> nah, and yes, like next. Not like that, but like you Yeah, it's that's a big just, one. Yeah, that's really that's really deep. Like deep in the heart. I just also feel like, so with that kind of thing, for me, when yeah. I see that kind of dynamic play out in my family, these kinds of, for me, these kinds of dynamics are ones I really get involved with. Like, mm. I'll say it, I'll I'll discuss as much as I can or want to, and then it really is for the two people. Because, like, things, oddly, and maybe, like, even codependently, toxically serve us until they don't. Mm. And it's so important that we like make our own decisions and go through our life states for ourselves. And that doesn't mean no support. I think people should support and discuss and like be there for people. But at a point as children, I think we need to also divest from our parents being any different sometimes because that hurts so much when we try to change, help them help themselves Mm. um, and thinking we can, whatever reason. Sometimes we can, but oftentimes we just really can't. So that's like mm. such a hard one. You know, it, this makes me think about how we also see ourselves. And I think that there's, I'm I'm going to um, brainstorm this more for myself, but I think that there's a point where I need to stop seeing myself as the child in the relationship. Mm-hmm. As much as you gave birth to me and reproduced or whatever made me, um, I need to start seeing my parents as p- other people so that I can have that... Um, objective distance Mm. yeah so yeah 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 yeah. someone else wants to discuss i'm 28 queer and i have catholic parents yeah that's loaded bruh yeah i think above and beyond anything i think queer people we're just so bored of having to manage everybody else's um coming to terms with like who we are so gosh yeah do you know what though it's, 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 it's certainly boring it's certainly boring well I'm just thinking of something that you've said a lot in that you just you've weighed up like how necessary is this conversation and how necessary is it to get people on board and to accept you and to all of those things so like yeah. if you can just kind of bypass that if there's a way that you can engage with people without needing them to first agree to everything that you are. But you're still performing. That's the thing. Like if at the dinner table, someone's like, yeah, when you find a husband and I want to say, oh, wife, like I have to manage that. Yeah. And so I agree with what I said, but I also just think, I think I'm going to start. I've decided that it's okay for us all to be uncomfortable. Yeah. So if me communicating my queerness to family makes them upset and now they have to grapple. Now they're old ones on their deathbed. And, and now I've brought this pain. It's okay. You can uh, you can manage that. I'm sitting with it. It's yeah. okay to sit with discomfort and confusion and un, unhappiness. Yeah. That's okay. Um, 
you can grapple with it too. That's fine. Like I can't mm-hmm. manage that for you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but it's just it is so boring. So I, I, I yeah, I think it's a decision about what you're willing to manage. Yeah, you know the performance or the the, the coming out. This person or oh, the the communication of your queerness. Mm-hmm. Someone else said I'm gay and they're gonna have to accept it because it ain't going nowhere. Yes. Yeah, man. Gosh, so tiring. Ooh, this is. I want to explain to my parents that I love them and don't blame them for a turbulent childhood. Wow. That's lovely. How did you reach that place? Oh, do you blame your parents? Yep. I think I hold them accountable, but I don't expect any different. I really believe, I know there was no malice. I know they were doing the best they could. And I also know there's no such thing as a traumaless childhood. So it was mm. going to be one thing, not the other. Yeah. But I also refuse to coddle them in an old age about it. Mm. So I'm having conversations about, by the way, like the way you talked to me about my weight is why I had mm. eat disordered eating. The way you did this and this is why I was like this. I'm unhappy directly because of what you did. And I know that like kills you, like it eats you up to know that your parenting could have been subpar, but it is what it is. And like, yeah. No offense, but you're going to kind of have to manage that. Mm. I'm not going to pretend it didn't happen. It was a complicated, you were good and complicated, just like any parent. But I'm definitely not going to spare them the pain of knowing that there was a lot that they didn't do well and that I want them to hear it. I want to see them, look at them in the eyes. I want them to hear it. And then probably a sorry. I'd appreciate it. I'm sorry. I didn't know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. And then I'll be like, it's okay. Mm. And that'll be it. But they need to know. Mm. I need to. Mm-mm. I think that's what's really difficult for me at the moment is that I'm trying to figure out how not to have that conversation. Yo. <laughs> yeah. So all that advice I gave about beating around the bush. <laughs> and it's really funny. The first time, like, I feel like you've been quite as transparent and open as you could be in the moment with family. They like people are wondering if you're having a meltdown or a breakdown or if you're unwell. Yeah. Because it's the first time you've just been honest and been like, Hey, I'm not happy. I don't like how you behaved. And they're like, yeah. Whoa, is everything okay in your home? Like, what's happening between you and Makundwa? And it's like, No, I'm literally, this is honesty. Yeah. And this is the tip of the iceberg. That's true. So hold on to your briefs, boomer. <laughs> um, let's go to conversations people are having with themselves. Oh, let me start. Oh, yes. So a big conversation, and I'm so excited to have this with myself this year is about just getting up and fucking doing it, just moving on. And that's in context of just getting my life going. Mm -hmm. Like I've been waiting for inspiration and being scared to make the wrong move career-wise and like doing my voiceovers and that's great. It's not as big as it could be. I don't have the kind of financial um, freedom that I want to have and all of those things. But I've also been too scared to like delve into other things and it just occurred to me this last week, like, just to get the fuck up and do something. Like, just move. Do things. Dapple. Play. Experiment. Fall. Lose. Win. <laughs> just do it. Move on. Like, I'll never be better if I don't do anything. And so I'm really Aww. excited, you know, to have that conversation with myself. I think, the, you know, you're talking about someone earlier on who like is is timid or that kind of thing but i and i think i've been that kind of person within my own life like head in the sand kind of ostrich um like really really perfectionist and just you know that that syndrome of like the kid that does so well in in school because they know 
they have a very clear guide of how to get it right. Mm -hmm. And so A student, A student, A student, and then get out into the world and there's no clear guide anymore and just plummeting. So that really, that was my story. And now being too scared to like make a move in case it's wrong or it's not aligned with passion or at least, you know, you know, those residual um, beliefs that don't serve me anymore. And so that I'm really excited to, to just be real with myself this year and to allow myself to be raw and to be wrong and to look stupid and to make mistakes and to hurt and to, you know, be naive. Um, uh, yeah, so that's exciting for me. And what was the, I know there was like a, a quote from Abraham Hicks that really inspired that. Oh yes. Abraham Hicks says that you will never get it wrong and you'll never get it done. Which means that no matter what I do, I'm never moving in the wrong direction. And well, for this one means for me, and that I'll never finish, complete, tick. I'll never, you know, do that high school or school thing of like going through the checklist and finally being finished. It, it's continual for the rest of my life. And there's nothing I can do that can be wrong for my path. And how do you manage? That's awesome. Thank you. That's awesome. How do you manage that as somebody who has been like afraid of failing? Yeah. Yeah. How do you do all that? Or, or what's your game plan at least? My game plan is to just do it. So I don't have a thought process or any... Actually, it's just do it because it cuts the thought process that makes me um afraid to try things or, you know, an overthinker mm-hmm. or a people pleaser to just do it. Do the thing that I don't know. I don't know how it's going to end up. I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, I don't know how to do it. So just to start. Start somewhere. Just do it. Do you reckon it's thinking less and doing more? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yep. And it's and it's it's um something that I heard. Oh, it was on a fashion show that I watched, um, where they said your first idea is the right one. <gasps> I know. I love that. I that know. sounds like intuition. That's such. <gasps> that is such an easy hack. I'm gonna try that Isn't and see it? if it aligns with my intuition this right. week. Great. So this year, do you reckon you're doing any adjusting for your loved ones? Um. If they have a grievance with your behavior, are you going to adjust yourself? And how do you like make that decision? Um, I think more than a, or before adjusting is conversation. So I want to have a fully fleshed out conversation if there is a grievance with my behavior or what I'm doing or our relationship. I want to really take it there, like really talk about it so that then I can make the decision from my heart, um, from my heart space as to whether or not um, I want to shift or not. And I think the decision to shift needs to come from a place of considering my peace and joy and safety first. If I can take on board what they want to be different or me to change and it, I actually see how it's beneficial for, for the situation, for the relationship. So putting my ego aside and how I can be better through it, then it's worth letting go my stance. And if it's something that hurts me, even if it seems like a good suggestion, then there's no point in making that change because then I'll just be resentful. I'll be resentful and I'll have maybe secret expectations of the situation as well. Yeah, so it's it's really only if it's for my highest good, if I can see it's for my highest good and the highest good of the situation and it keeps me at peace, I'm safe and and within joy, then I can change. What about you? I think mine's more, yeah, I think mine's a bit more simple. It's just like, what's at stake? So if I don't do the thing, if I do the, if you don't like when I put the toilet paper the other way around, what's at stake is just like a little bit of irritation and that remains. Yeah. But if something's at stake, like your peace of mind, your happiness, our relationship, 
um, other things like that, then I'll consider it more. Mm. But I think, yeah, I think I'm also like back to one of the questions we asked about, do we just accept that we don't like a hundred percent of a person? Yeah. I think I'm learning that, that it's really okay not to get along with every single aspect of a person. Yeah. And that sometimes, well, always the grievance is about you, but it, it, it's, it also, you need to complicate that idea when you live in a shared space. Yeah. But like my grievance about you not doing X or doing X is about me. That's something I'm like, I've been thinking about as well. Mm. Like, can I just change how I perceive it or how I respond? Yeah. And like, where do I get off thinking people can change for me? So now realizing I'm asking someone to change for me, let's look at the seriousness of what I'm asking. Yeah. Whether I really need it and what I think it'll cost them to change. Right. It's a small thing. Sooner changing the toilet paper than changing like a belief system you have. Like that. (laughs) So I think it just depends. Yeah. Yeah. I'm open. I'm certainly open to it. And it's interesting. It depends on the relationship. Like I think I've had people ask and I've asked, I've asked things of friends and I've had friends ask things of me and it, Puts into perspective how much you care about that relationship really quickly. Yeah. When a friend's like, I need us to speak less. I need us to speak more. I need us to speak in these kind of ways. I need us. And you're like, it's honestly just not that serious. Like, no is the answer. And if you're not happy with that, that's, I understand. And I respect whatever decision you make. Then you're like, okay, so this is actually where they fit. They're not really a bestie. Mm. They're more of an acquaintance that I love, but mm. also happy if they left me. Mm. So that's really interesting and really like positions your friendships very quickly yeah. when you're asked to do something or change something yeah very true so what would you say is the difference between um constructive and combative confrontation yeah well you were talking earlier about sometimes your ego gets in the way of how we or you might engage in confrontation and i think that's with all of us so i reckon it's the fact that when you start to see it as it's me and you together against an issue, that's constructive. Yeah. But when it's me versus you, that's combative. And how that manifests is once you've actually communicated the core of the issue and you have discussed like a format or a way forward next time it happens or how to resolve it, then nitpicking about who said what, how how it was said, what really happened, that becomes a bit more egoic. So I think when you nitpick after you've dealt with the kernel of the, the disagreement, that becomes combative. Okay. Yeah, I think. And that, I catch myself doing that sometimes. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's actually, discussing from this point won't bring any more learning, understanding, empathy. So we actually don't need to. That's fine. Yeah. So for me, that's a difference. Yeah. And that's like a hard, I'm used to arguing to the death. So like, that's something I'm learning as well. Yeah. And I thought it was a big, um, what's the word called? The opposite of vice. Like, I thought it was a a really great character trait Mm. because of debating. Like, that's low-key what you do in debating class at school is you just nitpick and nitpick and nitpick and it's not necessarily following logic mm. um yeah that's wild it yeah is. i think i i agree with you combative for me is is egoic and it really is combative asks um or rather it wants to be right um mm. kind of no matter what whereas constructive i love that yeah is resolution based it is resolution based so it it takes i like how you said you and me against the issue Mm. so it is about the the situation the relationship the the community like that that is constructive when you can take your ego your personal self out of the equation Mm -hmm. yeah people said i asked do you we asked on our um, podcast group go join it 
Do you feel starved of hard conversations about your relationships and your behavior? 64% of you said yes. I'm really not surprised about that. I Because before you, it was very hard. There was one other relationship where we would kind of get there, but it would still get so painful. And then they were still like, we could just decide not to be friends. So it was very difficult. Man. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Actually, this I, I thought I had about this earlier on was that... um. And you alluded to it when you talked about how black people parent and how white people parent and that I just wish that we had had more difficult conversations growing up and that we maybe and that we changed the way we raise our, our, you know, our kids and our families to have difficult conversations and to work through them rather than just, you know, having those um, stop is it stop gates or whatever of like respect and this is how far you go and kids don't say these things and parents can't be questioned. Um, so a difficult conversation becomes an attack. Exactly. And it's like, no, I'm just challenging your logic. Like, what yeah. do you mean? Yeah. Don't question me. You would get into trouble at school for just asking, why do we get charged at the tuck shop when, or why can't we bring in any, like, sweets when you sell these sweets at the tuck at shop? At a markup. Yeah, at a and markup. And I was like, detention. And it's like, you are a dumb bitch. Yeah. Do you know that? Yeah. Do you, are you aware? Yeah. <laughs> and simple questions like me and my friend both have the same problem, but she cried. Why didn't I also get like the same treatment? treatment? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's not, it's interesting. I think sometimes it's not encouraged. I also think it's not encouraged by people who don't have the range to like think a bit more critically about why they say things. And so it seems just like a fight. And they don't have the range probably because that's how they were taught too. That's it. So I think everyone can have the range, but it's all in how we are raised to see ourselves. Um, and we're raised to guard our ego. It's actually crazy. We, we protect and we coddle our own egos. And that's why we, it can't withstand any scrutiny. That's mad. It is. It actually is. Yeah. And it's exhausting. I think if somebody's not willing to do that work or um, even knows they have to, that's where the conversation stops then. Because if, for example, you're trying, you and all these other people want to have these critical conversations with their parents, mm. but their parents have never considered what critical thinking might mean yeah. um, in a social, uh, interpersonal kind of relationship, yeah. and especially with a younger person, yeah. then how do you even have that? Do you even want to? Because now you're going to have to train them. You're going to have to update their, their processing system, yeah. right? Their iOS, yeah. just to have the conversation. Yeah. If you have time, do it. But mm, yeah. me... I don't know. I think so. It's kind of like what your dentist said. When you asked him, do I need to floss? He said, no, no, no. Just the teeth you want to keep. Only the relationships that you want to to flourish. So <laughs> That is so... No, oh my God, I love that. Yeah. So I think just the relationships that you want to flourish have different... I love that because I two of my closest friendships who I thought I'd be friends with for life and who matter so... I love them dearly still. They matter so much to me. Yeah. But I couldn't bring myself to... We didn't introduce conflict into our relationships soon enough or at all. And so there was so much built up tension, at least on my side, Mm -hmm. because I am very sensitive. So I think I had more problems always with my friends than they have with me. Yeah. Um, Those friendships ended all because like we just didn't introduce how to, if I don't like something, like what's the protocol? Yeah. But we were also young. So I think it's, it's, gosh, I think we have to like sit down and discuss how to invite conflict yeah the birds are back they're making a mockery of you new yorkers i'm so sorry guys <laughs> this is uncalled for <laughs> um i asked people are you platonically lonely 54 percent of you said yes mm. do you want more friends 65 percent of you said yes well you answered are you platonically lonely yes me too do you want more friends yeah 100 percent. me too mm-hmm. i okay. want more friends i 
a while ago, like last year, Nyak and I were heading to an event with a bunch of friends. And Nyak was like to me, I think you asked, like, what are we going to do? The conversations is going to be about like celebrities and Twitter. Like what? I think you asked something along the lines of how do we incorporate critical conversation and make this fun for ourselves? Yeah. And that like, I didn't think that made me kind of sad. I thought I do like friends where I can just kick the shits with, but I also want to be able to like traverse between discussing the drama that happened to Gail King and Kobe all the way to then a little bit of science, a little bit of like discourse around race, a little bit of... And when you can't do that seamlessly, that makes you feel very isolated when you only have three friends you can have a certain kind of fun with. You know, I need, yeah, yeah, I think I am a bit lonely. And I think all my friends are so spread out. Like if we're going to have discourse, it's on WhatsApp. And if it's one topic is across seven weeks because we all like respond when we respond. Yeah. And I just want to like hang out. I had a breakdown. I was like crying on my WhatsApp. So my close friends, I was crying on WhatsApp voice message. Because I was like, I just want to hang out and like eat junk food and just talk. Mm. Like, that's all I want to do. I want to talk. I asked people, are you happy with the quality of your friendships? 56% said yes. Great. 44% said no. That's 50-50. Yeah, I'm I'm also happy with the quality of the friendships that I've now weeded everything down to. I'm Mm. happy with the quality of my friendships. Yeah, all my close ones I am. Yeah. Um, I think... So there's this concept I asked, uh, I created. Yeah. This concept I coined called being lizard. Oh my gosh, it's taken us so long to get to being lizard. I love it. And I wrote, I said term I coined because I'm waiting for TMZ to take it. Yeah. Um, it's when you've been commodified and stereotyped by people for a very specific aspect of your personality that people want you to perform. Mm. So you're the funny friend or the smart friend or the hot friend or the wise friend who always gives advice, the yeah. mammy. Or the gay friend. Or the gay friend who we just have for shits and giggles. So I asked people if they've ever been lizard and 69% said yes. Wow. When I asked if it's a compliment, if it's, is it flattering, only 17% said yes. Wow. And one person responded saying, I'm a people pleaser, so it's definitely flattering. Not fulfilling, but yeah. certainly fills my cup in the moment. As a as a fellow people pleaser, ex people pleaser, like I really relate to that. That and it's so confusing because it feels like flattery, but then you leave. Oh, I would leave empty at the end of it. Like, yeah. oh my god, depleted. But but I'm you know I'm like, and the person said they're like, yeah, you know, um, it's either that or no friends. And I asked them. I said, oh, that's so interesting. Like for you and for people pleasers, that genuinely seems like the alternative yeah. to performing is to have no one. Yeah, and I think it's also realizing like worse people have friends. Bill Cosby has friends. He has a gang <laughs> that he goes to, you know, he, that he definitely goes to taco nights with. Yeah. So it's like, you'll be fine. Yeah. Worst people have friends. Yeah. That is actually, and you, you've been so good with bringing that in. Like when I, whenever I want to do something or do something scary or whatever, you're like, dumber people. Oh, no. I've done it. Like, dumber people are richer than you. Dumber people have that car. Like, honestly, just get on yeah. with Not a nice word. I don't like the word dumb, but I, I say it in my, no, I say it's fair. I try to be sparing. Have I just outed you? I'm sorry. Yeah, you have. Well. Didn't I come out as a racist the other episode? Probably. So at this point, I don't know what anyone's... No one's expecting anything from this podcast. They're like, yeah, <laughs> these backwater sisters. <laughs> just a bunch of bigots. We're all racist, by the way, just to reiterate. Um, uh, except me. Carry on. So yeah, being Lizzo, it's interesting. A friend the other day was like, oh my God, let's hang out. I really need your energy in my life. Like, I need your... And it's interesting because I asked the question, if someone says, let's hang out, you have such good vibes, 
loads of people said that was a compliment to them <laughs> and that's because they've never been asked out that way and they're the ones that suck the energy that's well, my no, let's think darling because but definitely i have never asked someone oh please i just need like i need your vibes or never ever ever okay let me get the exact wording because i think that really the context of how people ask oh my god i need your energy is very different to you're such good vibes let's hang out it's no it's exactly the same Ooh. it's exactly the same i need your energy that means you're i am saying i'm coming to take you're such good vibes let's hang out is it a compliment 59 percent said it is you 59 are vampires you <laughs> need um and i'm being serious you need to watch watch the, look at that relationship and look at the lizzo in your life and and look at how you're lizzoing them and change yourself <laughs> just just interrogate it and see what you're bringing to the table and how you cannot just suck their energy but also give back I was Lizzo before Lizzo was a thing, man. You were actually Lizzo. Yes. Back flipping. You were Lizzo. <laughs> I was. Which also must be exhausting to be her. Like, Absolutely. all she is is a talented, fat black person. And that's just being politicized so much that, like, all of it about her. Yeah. And she's like, I, as you might think, I'm a shocking, jiving coon. Because I'm naked, or you might think I'm an activist because I'm fat, but I just like to sing. I happen to be fat. I happen to be black. Like I, you know, and I'm, I'm also complex. And I yeah, like I just want to sing and go home. Like you guys yeah. are really over politicizing and like yeah, throwing an identity onto me that I didn't necessarily ask for. Yeah, <sighs> it's hard. I think there are two things. I think sometimes we want to hang out with people because we identify the good vibes in ourselves in them as well and we're like we will get along we're on the same level yeah versus gosh your light shines so bright i want to be under under it and i think when i think about it why do i hang out with my friends because i see a likeness i love their level of funniness funness intelligentness thoughtfulness and i see them myself so saying that someone's good vibes i want to hang out with you i think okay look here's the difference it's the i i need i I need you today. Like your good vibes. I need to hang out with you. Like it's, it's, it's different than saying it's different from yeah. what you're saying. Do, do you see what I yeah, mean? Cause like, would you need to say it? If you identified it, if you were exactly. on their level, you don't say that. The, you and just organize to hang out. Hello. So you know, you're not on their level, Hello. which is not a problem. But what if, you, what, what happens if you're not on the level? Like I'm trying to think, who do I really admire? Who am I obsessed with? Yeah. Um, you mean in real life? Anyone who has just like, is not on my level. Who's higher than you? Yeah, like a celebrity. Like there's people who well, obviously me, the people. I'm slightly higher, oh, darling. Your jokes are so dad jokes. <laughs> the people love them. No. <laughs> who do I really admire? Wow, everyone I admire. I'm also just like friends with. Okay, well, there are people beyond all of our levels because we're all in different levels, but we also want to hang out with them. So what do we do? That's not fair to say no, but that you, a level one can't hang on the level three. But it's that, you know what? I find it's it's manipulative in a sense. Like, I find, actually, I find it manipulative. Like, oh my God, you have such an amazing vibe. I ha- we have to hang out. Like, or, or no, I, I, I need your energy. We have to hang out. Then if I say no, I'm saying, no, you can't have any of my energy. Or it's it's different from like, it's different from me, say, contacting, okay, there's a friend I have in mind who's doing really well financially. Um, and so I obviously want to learn from them, but literally just being like, hey, like, can we go for, for coffee? Um, you know, I'd like to talk about this. But then being very conscious of how to balance the conversation, make sure that I'm not just draining them or, you know. Hmm. 
I think it also depends on level of friendship. Because I was like, as a friend, if I have a friend who's doing much better than me, I'm like, two hours, let's go for lunch. You pay for yourself, pay for myself, tell me everything. You're my friend. Why wouldn't you want to, like, that's friendship. Like, you just can, I can't put a, like, that's just it. You just give. You do, but then you make sure you give back. So I would make sure with this person that I... I wouldn't ever try to I can sure I support. I know that I can support emotionally and I need their financial support. So I will be there. I'll be there for them and how I can be there. Yeah, but I trust that I am there because we're friends. I shouldn't have to check in. If you're not getting enough from me, either I'll be like, hey, am I doing enough? Or you'll tell me if I'm not. But as friends, I don't need to check in about... Just because you've perceived to have more than me, why should I have to check in about that? If you're there, clearly the friendship's working. No, no, but it, it isn't always. And sometimes people don't know how to balance the scales. You yourself don't know how to make the conversation about you after you finish supporting, supporting, supporting. Like you don't know how to turn it back to, to now ask for what you need. But that's a me problem. I can't now expect that friend, if I'm still there, they shouldn't have to double get. I just don't think we should have to have a bartering system with friendship. I don't think it's, I don't think that's how it works. When there's an imbalance is when we start to start to have to barter a little bit. And I think you're coming from a place of being like, you've been in balanced friendships and you would have liked that acknowledged or can't believe it's not been like, can't you see what you're doing? But And and I still stand by that. Like, how do you go to coffee with a friend and talk for the full (laughs) hour and a half and then the bill comes and it's by and like, how do you do that? How do you not clock that this hasn't been balanced? Okay, but think of your closest friendships or or rather your most well-oiled friendship. Yeah. Is it not balanced? We have worked on, we have said out loud, okay, 20 minutes on me, 20 minutes on you. Or, oh my God, I've been talking for so long. Please, like, let's, like, this is the last thing I'm going to say, but now we have to talk about you. Like, it's actually been. Oh, but that's probably because they take too much. That's their character. They must do. How would, why would you have to put that in place if they don't overtake you? No, we we didn't. It wasn't something we had to put in place. They were conscious of the fact that there needs to be balance and that, that, that they were, they were getting so much emotionally from me and they Mm. wanted to make sure that I was emotionally fed. It wasn't, we didn't put any measures in place. They, it no, was, but you just did. She just said you've been taught that's a measure. No, but it wasn't uh, like as to a, a reaction to there being an imbalance. Oh, okay. They already discussed. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Well, my friend conscious of that. Yeah. My closest ones, I don't have that checks and I asked weeks ago, I was like, everybody, do you know what your friends want from you? Do you know what you need from them and they need from you? People were like, no, I don't. And I was like, okay, homework, everyone go do that. And then when I was thinking about it for myself, I was like, all my good friendships, like I don't have to do that with my closest. It often is just so natural and fluid and intuitive, but also I just would have done that already if there was an issue. So I just feel like these checks and balances are for not your closest circle. Okay, for me, they're not my closest circle. It's for my friends and my acquaintances where we're not putting in that much. It's quite casual. We can say we'll meet and we don't, and that's not too much of an issue. Hmm. It's not for my friendships where like I'm there, your, your sister and brother now. Like it's yeah. very serious. I think they're levels to investment. That's interesting. It's exact opposite for me. Like I would only do, mm. I would only go through the labor and potential like, discomfort of finding out um, what do you need from me? I could potentially be falling short. You could be needing more than, you know, I have to give, et cetera, et cetera, with my closest friends. I just don't think that's how friendships start. Like I think that you probably gravitate because there is a symbiosis. And then only if there's a chink, do you then start to recalibrate and discuss that stuff. From the get-go, it doesn't start like that. Do you know what? You have just reminded me about how and why romance goes so wrong. Because we just expect the other person <laughs> to intuit what we need and to be the perfect partner and to like talk just enough and not too much and to you know hold me up when I'm down. And, and if it starts to go wrong, mm. then 
or if that starts to not be there, then it's going wrong as opposed to something that you just work at and work at and work at and you don't. So I just don't think, yes, yes. But romance is very different in that. In the expect- is it though? Are there expectations in friendship as there are in romance? Sh- no. But should it be? It's different. We don't have formats for friendships as we do for romance. Friendships are seen as this, like equal joining for pleasure and like for fun. And we're so lenient with our friends and so tolerant with our friends and like, don't really do tit for tat like who paid for it we don't do that as much but with relationships we do is it right is it wrong i don't know okay but i think what i'm saying is do you have one close friendship where you started the checks and balances or was it just fluid until there was a point where maybe you started working you left uni you left wherever and you needed to actually put in place formulas the one ended before the formulas came because i was waiting for them to intuit and they didn't and maybe vice versa so I think it's also about having givers and takers. Like if you somebody interesting, I think there are people who give a lot, people who take a lot, and then people who are like balanced. Are they? Yeah. Okay. Okay. A little more balanced. And if you're yeah, a giver and I'm you're with a, a friend who's a taker, yeah. Already that yeah, there, there's a story there. Sorry to say, Aries. So if you're with <laughs> if you're a water sign with an Aries, then you need to be doing this work. A fire wait, sign, wait, a Leo. Who's the taker? Who's the taker? The Aries. Oh, the, the, the fire signs. The fire signs. Yeah. And that's not to be too offensive. <laughs> just to say, I don't have a grievance with the Aries. But yeah, I just think maybe we should all think about that. I, I'm going to start thinking about yeah. in what relationships am I a giver, taker, or like in the middle. Yeah. Because maybe that'll help me understand them more. That actually helps me too. When I thought about how I was a taker, knowing what it's like to be a giver and to be, have been overtaken from. Mm. Yes. And I think because I'm a giver, that's why I have that stance. It's like, I just want people. I don't want to have to do the hard work of telling you, hey, consider me. I just want you to consider me. And the fact that you don't doesn't make you a bad person. There are so many, you know, I can think of another couple of amazing people in my life, but I have to tell them to consider me. Like I have to, I have to, to make it about me consciously. And when I do bitch, they are there for me, hmm. but I have to consciously make it about me. Wow, guys. Yeah. I'm still amazed that friendship is the one thing that's like, Lame. got me so stumped. I really thought it would be romance. Me, as I a thought kid. we would have one. And for this podcast, I thought we would have one or two. When we started having our second episode on friendship, I thought, yes, we're overcooking I know. It. And I, I also get like worried. I'm like, are people bored of hearing about like navigating friendships? But I just feel like that's all. Yeah. That's such a big thing on all of our, our minds. It's like our it friends. Is. And that makes me so happy. Me too. I'm just surprised they're so difficult though. Like as kids, yeah. it was so simple. Yeah. It's like, I have a yellow crayon. You have a green one. Let's share. And then at lunchtime you play and you share food and then your friends. But then Until you one had... of them breaks your pencil. And then you move on to the next one. Like there was no Ability or emotional support no there was not it was pretty and you crazy. went home and your parents would take care of everything <laughs> but now yeah. our parents and kids are selfish <laughs> and rude and mean yeah and it works because they're all selfish and rude and mean yep to each other <laughs> oh wow that is the word for today kids that is the word for today oh thank you for sending in all your yeah responses oh, about what you are you. dealing with what you're thinking about yeah. and the confrontations you're going to be having with other people and yourself yeah. and we send you love light strength for the conversations <laughs> all really of it. yeah and, and like compassion for yourself just start with yourself compassion for yourself in the conversations i would say and just uh yeah sending you all of those good things what if they write back and they're like we didn't want we didn't ask for your i'm sending it anyway <laughs> Oh, until next time, please join our Facebook group, throw in a meme, throw in a titty, 
throwing a... I'm so glad you said throwing a titty. I thought they weren't allowed on our Facebook group. Now I'm going to log in, man. Oh, no, we'll get shut down. You're not allowed nudity or like sexual... We'll put a star. Throwing a meme, throwing a titty. <laughs> then for Instagram, join us. I'm going to start a Patreon really soon. So throw some money at us and we will do some bonus episodes. We will. I have a feeling... Oh, I haven't... We haven't discussed this snack, but I want them to... No, I think we have. Pop culture. I want us to discuss like things through the lens of pop culture. I li- I'm screaming. I'm ready. Yeah. So we're going to discuss Kevin Hart's documentary, the themes that came I up there. I cannot like, wait. Fatherhood, grinding, the black experience. Yeah. All these things we're going to do. While being a short king. Yes. And probably shorter episodes. Yeah. But yeah, people who expressed that, there was something else. Um, people expressed what? That they'd like bonus episodes if they're going to do a Patreon. I love you people. I can't remember what else, but yeah, we'll keep brainstorming. <laughs> Alrighty. Have a great week ahead. Happy Monday. Happy Sunday, Monday. Kisses and hugs. XOXO Gossip Girl. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.